You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour in this Thursday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Covered a lot of ground. Spoke to Chris Collinsworth, NBC Sports Football Night in America analyst. Denny Hamlin, NASCAR driver. He won last night at Darlington. He'll join us coming up. Phone calls. We have an old poll question, apparently, because McLovin says he has a new poll question. Okay, the first two hours was, uh, what's the best ex- part of the experience of college football, tailgating or being in the game? 60-40 being in the game, kind of okay. obvious. Right. Uh, so you have a choice. Do you want to switch to NBA season and what they should do, or do you want something off of Dak Prescott? Oh, well, give me the Dak Prescott. You're looking well, for is, clicks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's totally clicks. Okay. But can you win a Super Bowl if you put – pay your quarterback $40 million a year. I won't put Dak's name. I'm just asking that question. <laughs> well, because we say $40 million now, and then it's going to be $45 million, and then it's going to be $50 million. I think history... 40 sounds pretty big. Well, history shows that you're not... You haven't had teams win Super Bowls with quarterbacks making that kind of money. A lot of these teams have used that rookie's uh, quarterback contract to be able to build a team. And then by the time that quarterback matures into, you know, a good quarterback, a leader, then you have a chance to win a Super Bowl there. I mean, that's what the Rams were hoping with Jared Goff. But now that you pay him, the Eagles, you pay Carson Wentz, Um, you know, the Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, when you pay him, Deshaun Watson, when he gets paid, you know, Cleveland's hoping they get something out of Baker Mayfield. The Jets still hoping they get something out of Sam Darnold, the Bills with Josh Allen. You get these young quarterbacks, Miami taking Tua. Uh, the Chargers, you know, with Justin Herbert. You know, I still think about that. If you said that I could have Justin Herbert, who I'm not sure about, or I could have Cam Newton. If I'm the Chargers, am I ready to win now? And who gives me a better chance of winning now? Assuming Cam Newton is healthy. I'm going to have a guy who is going to be, there's some star power with him. He is meant to be a starter, not a backup. And if I have Tyrod Taylor there as the backup, I feel better if something happens to Cam. You did not get Tua. That would have been the direction I would have gone in if I'm the Chargers. And then, if I let's say you took Isaiah Simmons and you put him on that defense that's already an elite defense. Now, all of a sudden, I think you got people's attention. Because you're going to go after Kansas City with that defense. And you have Cam that gives you a respectable offense. You have some weapons there. Cam, a healthy Cam, makes you a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion, with the Chargers. And if I can use that draft pick and I get a guy who's going to be impactful, like Isaiah Simmons will be, then I think that I've strengthened my offense, strengthened my defense. And in the draft, at least with your first pick, you didn't strengthen your offense or your defense. Yes, McLovin. Is there some uh, fear of injury in, in the Chargers? Because they've been gutted by injuries yeah. for the last four or five years. Remember that the year you, uh, you had them going far. They got they got hit hard. Yeah. And they still won 12 games. Yeah, I had them going to the Super Bowl that year. But I just think that would have made more sense for Cam Newton. He's he's just going to wait until something happens to a quarterback. You know, he's putting out these videos and just showing. I you know I I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know how healthy his foot is. Shoulder looks good, but you know, throwing passes in the backyard or on a football field doesn't that you're not simulating you know game action 
And I'd like to know, can he throw deep? Uh, what kind of velocity does he have on that? How does he feel? Is there swelling when he's done with this? Shoulder surgery is tricky. Having had it done, and it's never it doesn't feel like it's ever... Like when they say surgery, the successful surgery. Like how many times do we hear that with an athlete? Oh, yeah, it was successful. I don't think you can say that about the shoulder. Look at Andrew Luck, Cam Newton. It is tricky. And who knows how long it's going to stay in place. You know, my shoulder uh, is, and, and I'm just a regular person. My shoulder is not successful. I mean, it, is it better than it was? I couldn't lift my shoulder much higher than my, uh, my head. And, you know, so I couldn't throw a baseball, even shooting hoops or playing golf. And I wanted to get that corrected. I'm just an average person and it's still tricky and I still have problems with my shoulder. And I had a great doctor. It's an inexact science. That's what I don't know about Cam Newton. He's not a great passer, accurate passer. This doesn't help that. It hurts that. But I would want to know if I get in front of him, you know, can he be a different quarterback? Or is he just going to be Cam Newton? This is the way it is. I'm going to run. I'm going to take chances. But if I'm the Chargers, I, I would have taken Cam Newton in. Because it felt like they wanted Tua. They didn't get Tua. You settled for Justin Herbert. And maybe settle is not the right word. I just don't know if Justin Herbert is great, can be great. Athletic? Absolutely. Came up and you know played well in some big games? Absolutely. I just, I need some star power if I'm the Chargers. Cam Newton would have given me that. And I get a defensive player who's going to be a great player for a long time. Yeah, Paul. A question for you and Andrew about uh, the Cowboys. Yeah. When both are healthy and they both have good teams around them, is Dak Prescott drastically better than Andy Dalton? No. Is he better than Andy Dalton? Yes. Casually better or like a lot? Well, neither does well in the playoffs. Okay. And, and that's a knock I have on Dak. He's not good in the playoffs. But I think he's a good quarterback. I think he handles everything that goes around, that circles you as, as the uh, – quarterback for the Cowboys. But I will say he should be doing what Patrick Mahomes is doing from the standpoint of you got the offensive line, you got a uh, you know, all pro running back, you got weapons, wide receiver. Like this year there's no excuses for this team not to win that division. None. Now I know that they haven't spent as much time on the defense. Offensively, Dak Prescott should have a monster year. Yeah, McLovin. Yeah, I was going to say, where do you rank his set of weapons? Is it sort of a top five, top ten set of people around him? If I put offensive line, running back, and wide receivers, I don't know who comes close close to that. I mean, he's got young receivers. They don't have Jason Witten any longer. But I put C.D. Lamb in there, who I think is awesome. Amari Cooper, okay. Paid him a lot of money. Uh, but I got... Zeke Elliott and that offensive line. Like, they should be a dynamic scoring offense. And they were last year. They outscored the opposition by over 100 points. And you didn't, you didn't win your division. Now you got a new head coach. Can Mike McCarthy bring in some magic that he had with Aaron Rodgers? That's what I'd be curious about. Yeah, Paul. Perloff, cover your ears. Andy Dalton, a career in the playoffs. He's 0-4. One touchdown, six picks. Uh, what is Dak Prescott in the postseason? Oh, please. Yeah. I don't That's think... J.J. Watt's fault. He used to... Dis... Remember the Bengals and oh, Texans would play every Saturday oh, at noon on the playoff it was, weekend? It was so bad. 
We didn't even consider that starting the playoffs. It was like, that game doesn't start the playoffs. Yeah, Paul. In three playoff games, Dak Prescott's one and two. He's got five touchdowns and two picks. Got to win those games, though. (laughs) If you're... (laughs) Yeah, McLovin. Wait, did he... did he throw the Des Bryant catch, not catch, or was that Romo? That was Romo. I think that right? was Romo. Yeah, that was Romo. Okay. And it was a catch. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even a Cowboy. I, I mean, I, I should you know, qualify that, that I didn't grow up being a Cowboy fan. I have become a Cowboy fan because my Cowboys are doing damage this year. My Cowboys. What about your Bucks? Oh, I love my Bucks. I fall in love easily. I do. I see a lot of teams. I see some teams behind other teams' backs. I have to admit. Uh, but, I, yeah, I love the Buccaneers. But I think the Cowboys, I wouldn't want to pay Dak Prescott that kind of money. And Unless I felt like he is the right guy for this team. And they should have made up their mind a while ago and just said, here's the number that we're going to give you. If not, we're going to franchise you. And then what we're going to do is we'll franchise you the next year. And then we're going to draft a quarterback because at some point there's diminishing returns of paying somebody that amount of money. And that's what all these teams are trying to avoid. And Dallas, because he wasn't a first round pick, you didn't get that extra year at Dak Prescott. But if Deshaun Watson steps up to the plate and gets 40 million, the price of poker just went up again. And we know that Mahomes is going to be a, a separate entity. But all right, a couple of phone calls in here. Uh, let me see. Garrett in Kansas City. Garrett is back. Hey, Dan. Sorry about that. Six foot, 195. First time, long time. Um, I wanted to call in a story about double birds um, to follow up on yours. So a couple of years ago, my wife, my soon-to-be ex-wife and I were coming home from dinner. And a, uh, a truck pulled out of his driveway and about T-boned us. So I honked on my horn, drove past him. He started tailing me, um, kind of following me home. My, my wife flipped him off, and uh, we pull in the driveway. He drives by. I don't think anything of it. Go inside. 3 a.m. that morning, um, hear loud knocking on our front door. Uh-oh. I go down, and uh, I open the front door, and the fire department's standing there. And uh, the firefighter asked me if this is my Jeep Grand Cherokee that's sitting in the driveway. And I look out, and the whole back half is completely melted and uh, had been on fire and was just smoldering in smoke. And uh, one of the worst parts of it, the icing on the cake, were my uh, Callaway Epic Irons were in the back <laughs> trunk of the car. So uh, those, were, those were taken care of as well. Well, now it's a tragedy if your Callaway clubs were... Uh... And all, all from the uh, ex-wife flipping the bird. To the uh, to this guy, circle back around. Did they arrest that guy? Um, so I, I, I pursued that, but since we didn't have any video evidence or no one saw him, we weren't able to press charges. They could go question him, but the last thing I wanted to do was go question this guy that uh, burnt down my car for uh, you know flipping the bird. And we found we found at the top of a bottle of a Jack uh, Jack Daniels bottle under my gas tank. So he had lit that on fire, but my gas tank um, was completely full. So the fire department said that it was bubbling and it didn't explode. If it would have been any less, the vapors would have exploded. Oh and that would have been, been even worse. Obviously. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Garrett. Yeah, Pauline. That sounds like a country song. A bottle of Jack, a burn-up truck, and a flipping the bird. My Jeep Cherokee. 
Kyle in uh, Wisconsin. Hi, Kyle. What do you have for me? Yeah, good morning, Dan. First of all, thanks for having me. You have found the past, uh, boy, what is it, eight or ten weeks to keep all of us sports fans kind of uh, sane. You know, I've been hearing you talk about having a quarterback-only salary cap, and we know that the salary cap was implemented a number of years ago to kind of level the playing field for all 32 NFL teams, but how would you... How, how would a quarterback-only salary cap operate when you have a team like Cincinnati that will most likely probably start Joe Burrow week one uh, this year, paying him on a rookie wage scale, compared to uh, you know Kansas City that's probably going to give Patrick Mahomes forty-five to fifty million? How would how would because if you have a salary cap, you would also have to have a floor, correct? Like a salary floor, like you have to spend yeah. this much. How would that how would that work? Well. I didn't have this thought out. You crazy, Kyle? I just throw it out there that why don't we have a separate salary cap there? I wonder if you could take that, that you can allocate a certain amount of money for your quarterback and it doesn't hurt you. But I don't know if you look at this overall picture and say the entire, since Joe Burrow is going to be on a rookie deal, therefore, do you have uh, more money to spend on other players until you get to that point where Joe Burrow in four years is going to be asking for $60 million a year? Paulie and I just discussed it, and we just thought, well, they, the fact that the NFL considered this, we thought that that was you know, progress on our part, that they actually discussed a separate salary cap for quarterbacks this year. Yeah, Paul. Plus, don't you think it would be fascinating if the salary cap for the quarterbacks in the league was a fixed number? Let's say you had $40 million to spend on the quarterback position. You could have as many of them as you want. You could have seven of them if you want, or you could have one. Or you could have a guy making $39 million and a guy making one, or a guy making 26 and a guy making 14 Yeah, but if Joe Burrow is going to make $9 million this year. You don't get to spend that money elsewhere, but you can, get, uh, you can upgrade at the position as a backup for Joe Burrow as much as you want. Yeah, we got to work on that. Yeah, though. we got to yeah. get, grab some beer gotta, and work gotta, on gotta, it. Yeah. Uh, Dave in Pennsylvania. Hi, Dave. Hey, Dad. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Five ten two thirty. Uh, question for you. Well, actually, two questions. First of all, going with the Oscar Robertson, nobody seeing him play. Uh, just want to know how you feel. Like the greatest baseball player of all time. Everybody's got to say one person, and nobody ever saw him play back in the nineteen twenties. And my second question is: I'm from Pennsylvania. We just saw a picture of a certain quarterback that was getting a haircut and a shave on video when we're not allowed to do that. It's against the law in Pennsylvania. Well, shaving shaving is, is uh, legal, though. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> shaving is legal, but going to a barber shop is not legal. <laughs> shaving is illegal. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't have to see Babe Ruth to know that Babe Ruth is the greatest baseball player because I see all of his numbers and the fact that he won almost 100 games as a pitcher would lead me to believe that that's as balanced as well-rounded. We talk about five tool players. Babe did it all. Now you can say, oh, well, he did it against, you know, there was no uh, integration there. And we can argue all of that, or, you know, maybe it's not even an argument. It is fact, but Babe Ruth with those numbers compared, he was hitting more home runs than teams and that he could have been a Hall of Fame pitcher, by all accounts. So, I didn't have to see him. What I'm saying about Oscar Robertson is, great player, great stats. I don't think many people saw him. 
because he was in Milwaukee and he was in Cincinnati. That's all. And we didn't have TV back then to be able to watch them. I saw him because I'd go to the Cincinnati Royals games. And it's a college basketball town, not a, a pro basketball town. People did not show up to see the Cincinnati Royals. Nate Archibald is one of the greatest players I ever saw. But I got to see him in person. Not many people did. They saw him when he was either in Kansas City with the uh, Kings there or when he was with the Celtics. When he was with the Cincinnati Royals, Nate Archibald was spectacular. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Nick in Indiana, then we'll take a break. Hey, Nick. Hey, thanks for taking my call. 6'2", 285. Chris Mannix last week said Russell Westbrook and Rick Barry aren't even in the same league. That's insane. Rick Barry was a bad man. If you watch 10 minutes of film, all you got to see, he could do it all. Shoot, pass. I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, he'd go down the court and fight you. Oh, I know. I, I just, Mannix never saw him, and therefore, if you didn't see him, then he can't be good. And I just wanted to let Chris Mannix know, Rick Barry led a team to the NBA title, was a great scorer and a great passer, rebound, rebounder as well. I mean, he, Rick Barry was a great player. That's all. We get caught up in, oh, Russell Westbrook, triple-double. Is he more athletic than Rick Barry? Yes, he is. Is he a better player than Rick Barry? Not in my opinion. And I love watching Russell Westbrook play. Love. One of my, I'm on record as saying he's one of the players that I would pay to see. But he's not a better player than Rick Barry. Yes, he one of the things that gets tough, though, as someone who didn't get to watch then, right? Like mm. there's a whole bunch of us that weren't alive, so we didn't watch back then, is like comparing the athletes of today or even like an Allen Iverson and saying that they're just as good when people didn't even dribble through their legs yet then or something. You know what I mean? Where you're like, well, wait a minute. Like the athleticism is just completely different. It's like two totally different games. So it gets hard to say like, well, yeah, like who could back then could guard Allen Iverson? Probably nobody, but it was a totally different game. So, but I have to, I I have to look at what you did in your time and, and, Iverson was spectacular in his era. And because of Iverson, you had people who added to their games because of Allen Iverson. Uh, it, it feels like everybody keeps sampling off everybody as they build. If I said LeBron James is going against Bill Russell, LeBron James is bigger than Bill Russell. Who do you have? So if I'm going to compare like that, you, you would take LeBron James because he's a better athlete. He's bigger than Bill Russell. He's more versatile than Bill Russell. Bill Russell's people put him, you know, as the greatest basketball player, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. If we matched athleticism, it's not close. LeBron, with what he does at that size, it's not even a comparison with Bill Russell. Yeah, McLevin. I kind of assume that Rick Barry's athletic because his son Brent won the dunk contest wearing sweatpants. Is that a complete? No, no, he's athletic. <laughs> he's not as athletic as Russell. How many people are as athletic as Russell Westbrook? Oh, very few. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's not fair to say, oh, if, if they played one on one, that was Mannix's argument. They played one on one. That's not what this is about. What did you do for your team? How great were you? I mean, that's what we're talking about. Let me take a break here. And get some more phone calls. Denny Hamlin will join us, fresh off a win last night. And uh, 21 after the hour, this is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, 
by searching FSR. Denny Hamlin, driver of the number 11 FedEx Toyota Camry car. Big winner last night. The rain-shortened Toyota 500 race from Darlington. He and his crew uh, unveil the uh, number 11 FedEx small business paint scheme ahead of this weekend's race in Charlotte. And it pays tribute to small business owners, the real backbone of America, which is represented through the uh, stars on the car. Denny joins us on the program. How are you feeling today? Feeling good. Uh, I kind of knew this interview was coming, so I had to put up a good performance to make sure. Ooh. Ooh. Legitimized it, you know. If you weren't on the show, would you have won last night? Is that what you're saying? I think we've talked about this, right? I mean, I think Paul and those guys have talked about you. You come on there and you win. It's just part of the process. <laughs> I don't want the word to get out, Denny. Then we'll be inundated uh, with uh, <laughs> drivers trying to win. Is is the job different? First of all, you're, you're racing on a Wednesday night and you're racing, you know, with what's going on with no fans there. How different is that? It's different. I mean, it's just, it's quiet. I mean, I, I don't, I can't express like just the silence of it uh, is, is the biggest thing inside the race car where the race is going on. We don't notice a huge difference, but when you get out and you win the race and it's like, okay, um, go back to your bus for your, uh, your, your Zoom media, uh, media availability, that's that's when things become a little different. Did you pour, like, a drink on your head? Like, do you celebrate it all? Uh, I haven't, but I will in due time. Do you smoke the tires? I mean, what, come on. No, well, we no, because, you know, we got to reuse this engine in another race, so... I got, you know, I got an email the night, uh, the night before saying, Hey, protect this engine, no burnouts. Do you ever have to get like you gear up for the weekend, but here it is a Wednesday night. Is it, is it different to gear up for a Wednesday night race as opposed to a weekend race? Well, we usually, you know, like, like golf, you know, we have one event per week usually. Well, now we're doing two per week for the next few months, uh, trying to catch up. And so the, the, the biggest issue we have in, in motorsports is dehydration, right? I mean, it's so hot in the cars. You sweat out so much. It takes you days to get that back. Well, now we used to have a week to get it back. Now we just got a couple of days before we're back in a car again. So the fatigue factor is the biggest thing that we need to uh, kind of be aware of. Do you ever eat during a race? Uh, sometimes. I mean, you get some snacks in there every now and then, but I haven't done it in years. Um, I, I, I kind of just load up before, beforehand. I, I'm assuming you watched The Last Dance since you're buddies with Michael Jordan. Did you see anything in there that uh, surprised you? Um, surprised me. Well, you know that competitive side of him. You've seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I knew it, but in, in, obviously you hear stories, you read articles, things like that, but you kind of don't – you don't understand. You know, I, I was so young when, when all this stuff was going on that – like I didn't, I wasn't able to appreciate it. Now I remember watching that, you know, 97, 98 finals, but I don't, I didn't remember the significance of it. And so going back and seeing everyone's testimony and everyone talking about it uh, was, was amazing. And for me, I was like, I'm telling you, if that doesn't get you jacked up to like <laughs> perform at your best and, and push all your teammates to, to perform better, I, I don't know what it is. And, and so, you know, I, I talked to them last night a little bit as well. Um, you know, people don't know that Darlington is the racetrack that grew his love for NASCAR racing. His dad uh, used to take him to Darlington uh, every year. So that's where he, you know, got that relationship and to win mm. there. 
kind of right after the last dance. I think it's pretty cool. You ever taken him for a ride along? No, I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll do it. <laughs> First of all, getting him in a car, it's going to be the, be a problem. I mean, we're, you know, we're not jockeys or anything, but, but, but we're, you know, we're not you know, six, six either. So uh, I remember them, they having a, uh, when Shaq got in a, in a race car, they had to like, cut out the centers of this race car, <laughs> like expand it so you can get in. But can that now there is there weight? I guess the car has to be a certain, every car has to be a certain weight. Yeah. Okay. So if Shaq, like Shaq couldn't be a, a even if you could put Shaq in a car, I'd have to get rid of like yeah. a couple of like the engine. <laughs> right. Right. To, to be equal with everyone else. Yes. You, you can't shed enough uh, metal off that thing to, to get it equal. But if you, is there an advantage to weighing less in NASCAR? Uh, no, because they always, they base it off of a 200 pound driver. So if you weigh 190, you have to add 10 pounds okay. to your car. And so they, they even it out that way. Who would have a personality similar to Michael Jordan's in NASCAR? Um, I, from the competitive side, yeah. I don't know that there's anyone as competitive as, as I am. I mean, maybe Kyle Busch um, with, you know, being kind of sometimes tough on his team, things like that. But he's just trying to push, same as Michael, those guys to uh, – to, to get to the next level. We're talking to Denny Hamlin, driver of the number 11 FedEx Toyota Camry car. Uh, had the win last night. Next up is Charlotte, I believe. Is that right this weekend? Yeah, yeah. And you talked about it, the uh, the small business. And they're actually providing a grant uh, for small businesses. A uh, million dollars is available in grant money. So I uh, encourage everyone to go to FedEx.com uh, back, uh, backspace. Sports, small grants. And um and see if you can get a, get a grant from them. So yeah, they've just been a huge supporter of my career. This is my 15th year now with them. Uh, we got the Coke 600 coming up uh, this weekend in Charlotte, and then we go back there on Wednesday. So we're, we're cramming a lot of races in here in a very short amount of time. Did you ever drive a, a ride, uh, a FedEx truck? I did. I've delivered uh, race tickets. Uh, I believe it was out in Phoenix, went out on a FedEx Full truck. uniform? Full uniform. Yep. <laughs> they were pleasantly surprised to see me at the door delivering the tickets too over the uh, over the uh, normal guy. Ex- explain the uh, middle finger etiquette in NASCAR with <laughs> Chase Elliott last night. He actually had pretty good form with it, to be honest with you. I mean, just kind of had a few knuckles up. You know, you know, he didn't you know move his hand around. He just kept it steady right there in line with the car. So. It was good form, in my opinion. Okay, but what is middle finger worthy on the track? I don't know. I guess that one probably was. I mean, we all, you know, everyone that, that knows racing knows that, you know, it was an accident. But still, uh, you know, <laughs> he got screwed in the process. Um, you know, worked out good for me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, the one thing that really does piss me off, though, is getting it while you're racing, like, you know, a guy, you're racing a guy and maybe you bump into him or whatever and he sticks his middle finger out, out of the window and you can see it, like, it's time to send him. What do you mean? Tap oh, him? You, you got to send him in the fence. <laughs> Don't be giving me the middle finger. <laughs> what if I give you the double bird? It means you're in the fence because no, no hands are on the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you haven't been in a fight in a while, right? Uh, last year we had a little tussle with Joey Logano again. Me and him, <laughs> just, we, bust, we butt heads a little bit. You know, he kind of 
came over to talk to me and I, I'm cordial. I, I stood there like a man and, and wanted to talk to him and that's all good. But then kind of as he walked away, kind of gave me a shove in the shoulder as he was walking away and oh, nah, that didn't work. So, you know, I like your fire, but he's got some reach on you, Denny. Yeah, he does. But, you know, big man like that's got to have small, <laughs> uh, slow reflexes. <laughs> Well, congrats on uh, the win last night. Good luck this weekend. Always great to check in with you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan. See you guys. Appreciate it. That's Denny Hamlin, driver of the number 11 FedEx Toyota. And uh, win last night. Some phone calls here. Yeah, we're watching the uh, the uh, situation last night with the flipping the finger. <laughs> He's just holding it up there for like 10 seconds. Uh, let me see. Uh, how about Jim in Arizona? Hey, Jim, what do you have for me today? Dan Panetta, good morning, sir. How are you? Good, good, good. What do you have? First time, long time. Uh, six four and a stealth like hundred and eighty five. Okay. Uh, I know you guys talk about always coming out to Scottsdale, watching some spring training and what have you. Yep. Next year would be a great year. Uh, talking about great players, Connie Hawkins. Yeah. Well, Connie, probably, I, I saw him when he was with the Phoenix Suns and he came into Cincinnati, Cincinnati Gardens, and I'd never seen somebody grab a basketball like that with hands that size. But, you know, Connie had, you know, there was trouble in college and even going into ABA, NBA, and then he came over to Phoenix. And it, it's not the same as Dr. J when Dr. J got to the NBA, but, but there are parallels there. We had heard about the myth of Connie Hawkins. We got to, I got to see Dr. J in person, but then he came to the NBA. He was not the same Dr. J, but Connie Hawkins, I I was underneath the basket at Cincinnati gardens. And I, I just wanted to see Connie Hawkins. And in the layup line, he had hands that it felt like they, he treated that basketball like it was a cantaloupe. He had the biggest hands I've ever seen. And, uh, he wasn't a, you know, great shooter. You know, he was just a very, very athletic person, basketball player. And if you get a chance to read the book Foul, it's about Connie Hawkins. And uh, I, I think that came out in 1970. I remember reading that. But Connie Haw- and I saw during the 1993 NBA Finals, when the Phoenix Suns were in the NBA Finals, I got to meet Connie Hawkins. And I said, I went to the Cincinnati Gardens and his eyes light up. He's like, Cincinnati Gardens? Nobody went to the Cincinnati Gardens. I said, I know. I was there watching you in layup line with Tom Van Arsdale. Or no, Dick Van Arsdale. Tom Van Arsdale played for uh, the Royals. But I remember the Phoenix Suns. They were fun. Yes, Paul. Yeah, I've read about Connie Hawkins before because I always I saw his stats and he didn't even he wasn't even a rookie until he was 25. Yeah. And he, he had trouble in college. Was he at Iowa? Yep. Yep. And there's always rumors about him with getting with, paid. Yeah, and it's just it's another one of those guys. That if if he was around during the TV era in his prime, we'd be talking about him. Yeah, because he would have been coming out of high school right to the NBA, or he would have been a one and done. But yeah, Connie Hawkins, huge hands, man. Uh, Matt in Virginia. Hey, Matt, what do you have for me today? Hey, Dan, how's it going, man? Five uh, eleven, a fluctuating one seventy, one seventy five. Yeah. I just want to let you know the pipes sound good today, man. Um, but I heard you talking about the quarterback 
pay wage or whatever. And I was thinking, why not have a uh, game started scale? So after, you know, 48 games, you're eligible for X amount of dollars. After 96 games, you're eligible for X amount of dollars. Um, not saying you'll make that much, but that's how much you're eligible for until you reach the next tier of games started. They always say your best ability is your availability. That way you're, you're getting paid for showing up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's, that's valid. Great point, Matt. I like that. I want somebody else to do the heavy lifting for me. I just want to come up with an idea, then you take it from there. Uh, Justin in Michigan. Hey, Justin, what do you have for me? Hey, Dan, I'm 3250. <clears throat> All right, here in Michigan, you either love Matt Stafford or you hate him. And it's been taught that if he was on a contending team, you'd already have a Super Bowl. So who would you rather have if you're the Cowboys, Dak or Matt, to take you to the Super Bowl? <laughs> All right, thank you, Justin. Well, I don't know how healthy Matthew Stafford is with his back. And if I look at his salary, he looks like a bargain compared to Dak Prescott. What is Stafford, 31? Yeah. 31. I'd have to look at his numbers here. I I don't want to be flippant and say, well, I'd take Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's got a lot of talent, but, you know, we haven't seen the results of that. What, they made the playoffs once since he's been there? I thought he's 0-3, Matt Stafford, in the playoffs. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, so I I like Dak Prescott. I just don't like him at that price because I don't want to lose other players. And, and, you know, maybe Jerry Jones just says, all right, we're all in, and who knows what this team is going to look like, you know, after all these contracts come due. You just can't keep paying everybody like this. Yeah, Paul. Matt Stafford, 0-3 in his career in the playoffs. Okay. Last start in the playoffs was 2016. All right. Here is the highest percentage of salary cap used by Super Bowl winning quarterback. This since 1994. The highest percentage used on a quarterback was 13% of the salary cap. It was used on Steve Young, 1994. Eli Manning is second on that list. Peyton Manning... Tom Brady in 2014 was 10% of the salary cap. Peyton Manning again at a little over 10%. And Brett Favre, Brett Favre at 10% in 1996. I don't know what... Can we... McLevin, can you do the numbers on Patrick Mahomes? What okay. would his salary be compared to the, like the percentage of the salary cap? Assuming $50 million? I don't think they're giving him $50 million. I'm going to guess that it probably would be $45 million, but let's say $45 million of the current salary cap. Do we have, can Stats Inc. You know, bring that up for me? Uh, which quarterback has the highest percentage of his team's salary right now? And if we'd run down the list here, how long does it take to get to a Super Bowl winning quarterback who has a real high number there? Now, Brady's numbers were, were high, but not they were not crazy high because he'd always give them sort of a discount or he'd extend that salary or stretch it out a little bit here. But I don't know if we've had... When's the last time we had a quarterback making elite money winning a Super Bowl? We'll take a break. We'll see if we can find that out uh, before we uh, exit stage left. We'll uh, get to more phone calls. We'll tell you what's in store tomorrow right after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app 
at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick show. So the NFL salary cap is supposed to be $198 million. So basically $200 million this year. If Patrick Mahomes gets $45 million this year, that would be 22.5% of the salary cap. That would blow away the previous high for a quarterback salary versus the salary cap of those winning the Super Bowl. Now, Mahomes would have to go out and win the Super Bowl, but there's going to be some casualties for the Kansas City Chiefs. It just will be with uh, Mahomes with that salary. We don't have a winner today for Fritzy's scoreboard, and Pauly thinks he knows why. It's uh, What are the numbers, Toddler? 44 and 3. I will admit one of those two is tricky but still gettable. In my I, opinion. I was told that the 3 of the 44 and 3 was embarrassingly obscure. Embarrassingly obscure? Yes. Embarrassingly obscure. But you give the hint. Okay. They, we can go backwards. The hint for 3 is it's a pity if you forgot. And it also has to do with the hat that I'm wearing, encouraging people to check us out on the YouTube channel. Yes, McLovin. So it's Rocky three. Rocky three, because Clubber Lang, Mr. T, was born on this date in 1952. I don't think that's incredibly difficult. No, embarrassingly. Or embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> we can't just give away, you know. You can't oh, I know, Todd. Presents. Oh, I realize. I know. Got to earn it. I know. We're we're giving away merchandise. And what do we got for 44? I have no idea. I don't know what the hint is. The hint is pinch me. That can't be true. Pinch me. That can't be true. I, I On May 21st, 1969, after 9,015 at-bats, Hank Aaron, jersey number 44, lifted for a pinch hitter, good old Mike Lum. He oh doubled in a 15-3 win over the Mets. But Hank Aaron was pinch hit for on this date, 1969. How do you do that? Thank you, Todd. Was Mike Lum the first player from Hawaii to play in the major leagues? For some reason, I know that. I don't know if I'm impressed or depressed hearing you know that. Oh, yeah, he's from uh, Honolulu, yeah. straight out of Roosevelt High School in Honolulu. New segment on the show, impressed or depressed. <laughs> impressed or depressed. <laughs> Highest percentage of salaries against the salary cap this year. Aaron Rodgers, 18%. Russell Wilson, 18%. Ben Roethlisberger, 18 Jared Goff, 17 Wentz, 17 Matt Ryan, 16 Kirk D. Cousins, 16 Stafford, 16 Garoppolo, 15%. Derek Carr, 14%. These would, if anybody in this group wins the Super Bowl, it would be the highest salary against the cap by a quarterback in NFL history. So Mahomes is going to be up to 25% or over 20% of his team's uh, salary cap. Uh, Patrick in Ohio joins us. Hey, Patrick. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Long sure. time, first time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I drive a truck for a living, so getting flipped off is pretty much like part of it. And it, it's routine. I drive a drunk, dump truck. I'm from Franklin, Ohio, so I haul all around that, you know, general area. And that particular day, I was hauling salt straight off the barge out of Cincinnati, off the river, taking it to all the, you know, places around that surrounding area that are salt sheds in the cities. And this one was going all the way up to from the river to the Dayton Airport area, all the way up there in Dayton. And, and I'm going up 75 north. And, and, you know, the tarps do what they do, but they don't hold it all in. And I'm blowing salt all over. It like a big white cloud behind me like a comet. <laughs> and I figured I'm doing them a favor and salting 75 north, you know. <laughs> so I'm getting a lot of angry honks and birds and stuff. But this one particular guy, 
he had Florida tags, and he come by me waving his arms and honking and raising all kinds of cane, and and uh, he gets in front of me and proceeds. This man proceeds to hang out the window and contort his whole body, look at me and give me the double bird. Now I don't have any clue how he maintained his speed, held his lane. And control the vehicle. He must have to win there holding the wheel. But I, I was so impressed. I keep a paper plate in here on a stick with a can on it for the pretty girls to go by. And, you know, I'll off them. So I, I just was, like, so impressed. I couldn't even get mad. Usually I'll flip them back off, you know. But this guy, the, the degree of difficulty he pulled off on that trick, I gave him the 10 and clapped. I can't even be mad about that. That was pretty impressive. That's good stuff, Patrick. Be safe out there. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Uh, Jesse in Los Angeles. Hi, Jess. What do you have for me today? Hi, Dan. Uh, 510 and a hard 173. Love the show, guys. Hard. <laughs> Thanks. Always wanted to hear that. Um, I got a comment and a question for you. The comment would be uh, to Seton and the sound crew. The best part about the last dance is the celebrity journalist Flo Anthony clip that keeps coming up. It's, it's the best. It makes my day. Celebrity um, journalist Flo Anthony, who claims to have spoken to a source with knowledge from someone close it. to Wood, says uh, Tiger is struggling. No, so good. So good. Um, the question is uh, for you is uh, that we see athletes all the time on social media these days, and it's, it's not really behind the scenes or as close as what we saw in the last dance, and it's not really as meaningful because it's, it's usually controlled by the athlete on a personal time. So I was wondering if you could see that the last dance, like, produces or inspires, say, Someone on a meteoric rise, an athlete like in the professional sports world, like Patrick Mahomes or maybe the Greek Freak, um, you know, later on in their career, knowing it would be their last season, doing something very similar. Like, I don't think it'd be as intriguing, but because we know how the Bulls story played out with the six titles. But I'm wondering if you think this will inspire today's uh, professional athletes. Absolutely. I think you have so many people doing podcasts, their own special shows. Uh, look at LeBron with his production company. I mean, so many of these athletes are getting into this business. Absolutely, I see that. Todd, what did I learn on the program? Uh, Chris Collinsworth thinks the Cowboys should pay Dak Prescott. He's got the personality to handle Dallas's pressure, and he's made some strides in the past season. What we learned brought to you by Traeger, real wood-fired flavor, next-level versatility. Traeger Grills, the ultimate way to cook. Contact your local dealer or go to TraegerGrills.com slash show. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you tomorrow.